Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. It's easy to just be stagnant. It's, it's easy to have atrophy set in and you just kind of like, you know, you're paralyzed. Um, I, I'm hearing this more now than ever before. People are saying this, I'm just trying to make it. I talked to somebody on Monday, you know what they told me? Just trying to make it to Friday, because I got the weekend off. Somebody was really excited on Tuesday, they told me this, I'm just trying to make it to Friday, because I got a three-day weekend. And then I said, then what? Oh, Tuesday. I got to go back to that God-forsaken place where people don't know about the authority of Jesus, and I have to try to represent, come on. Come on. So if you're stuck today, this, this message will help you. But while you're going to Mark 5, let me tell you about a series we're starting in two weeks. We got a graphic. She's going to put it up that you may believe. We're going to look at the miracles from the Gospel of John. It's a faith-building series. Why? Well, John 20, verse 31 says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that's going to be our main verse. Series starts in two weeks. Find somebody who doesn't have a church home and say, come to mine, and then buy them lunch. All right. Mark 5. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture because I want you to get the story. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake, and then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he what? He fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with them, my, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. That's a lot of faith. He, he falls at the feet of Jesus and believes that his daughter who's dying would be well. And so Jesus did what? Went with him. Wouldn't you have been excited? Jesus, you're at, you're at his feet. Come with me. And Jesus starts walking with him to his house where his daughter is in the process of dying, okay? Please come with me. So Jesus went with them, and a large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus, yeah. So now Jairus is standing on the outside. He was just with Jesus, and Jesus way over there. Hey, excuse me, pushing, pushing in the crowd. You ever push in the crowd? He's pushing into the crowd, and people say, hey, hey, buddy, get back. No, you don't understand. I was just with him. He's on his way to my house. No, he's going the opposite direction. Okay? Now, watch what happens. Okay? And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She spent all she had, and yet, instead of getting better, she got worse. She went to the chiropractor. She had herbal supplements. She had essential oils. Um, let me see what else. She went to the real doctor, the MD, the PhD, the PA, the RN, the LVN. She went to everybody that she could. She spent all her money. And instead of getting better, she grew. She grew worse. Now she's not healed. She's not well. Twelve years she's been bleeding. So I, 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 I see her crawling to him. She's anemic, and she's crawling. And she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, she thought just like Jairus did. If I could just get Jesus into my situation, I would be healed. 
And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around to this massive crowd and said, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding in against you? His disciples answered, and yet you have the audacity to ask who touched me? Everybody's touching you. Everybody. And somewhere, Jairus is now over by the exit sign, right? But what about me? That would have been me. I'm sorry. <laughs> what happened to me? I, I was first. Come on. And, and, and while this is happening, here they come, Jairus's friends. Uh, hashtag horrible, no good, very bad friends, right? Hey, Jairus, give it up, man. I, I'm paraphrasing. Your daughter is dead. Why are you bothering this teacher anymore? And overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't you dare, come on, be afraid, just, just believe. In other words, don't listen to them. They've just come from your house where your daughter is dead. Hey, Jairus, full of faith, Jairus. Hey, Jairus, pushed out of the crowd, Jairus. Hey, Jairus, he was first in line, Jairus. Don't bother. Listen, I, I, I'm not going to preach it right now. I'm I'm kind of holding it, but i got to tell you this. Do you have anybody like that in your life? A naysayer? Negative? Cantankerous? Last service did. Boy, people were like, oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Where you say to them, I know that Jesus has something for me. I know that my faith in God matters. I know that God has more for my life. And somebody comes to you and says, ah, give it up. It won't matter. So we're going to talk about these people in just a moment. Actually, we're going to uh, see that when Jesus goes to the house, um, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but but you have it still in there? But, but, but asleep. Thank you. Now, Jesus says that your daughter is asleep. Now, in the New uh, Testament, a lot of times, even the Apostle Paul will say, those who sleep in Christ, he refers to those who are dead as sleeping. This is not that Greek word. Here's what he says. Your friends told you your daughter's dead. I'm telling you she's just taking a nap. Why? Because when Jesus shows up, his perception of life is different than ours. When the Bible intersects our life at wherever we are in our lives, the Bible declares things that aren't like we see them. Now, that doesn't mean we deny reality. That's not what I'm saying. You're not in that kind of church. Let's all just deny reality. Let's just have faith. Everything's going to be rosy. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar. As opposed to saying, no, I see my situation for what it is, but I know that Jesus sees it different than I do. Well, if I was a preacher, come on. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I see my situation. I have the prognosis from the doctor, but I see that Jesus sees things different than I see them. And so he says to, to Jairus, don't worry, she's just asleep. All I got to do is shake her up. She's going to wake up. Pretty amazing. But something happened. They, come on, they laughed at him, and after he You know what Jesus did? A lot of times we, we miss this in the story. He kicked them out of the house. 
He put them out. Now, I know some of you are going to be upset because I just ruined your image of Jesus. He's just so nice. He just hangs out with everybody. He listens to everybody's stuff, but not this day. He doesn't want them in the little girl's bedroom. Why? Because he's about to do a miracle, and they're going to mess with his miracle. Because there's a lack of faith in the house. There's no atmosphere of expectancy. They, these, these friends, half of them have already come to Jairus. Don't, don't worry, Jairus. She's already dead and gone. It's too late. And the other half, Jesus says, I'm going to put you out of the house. Now, please see Jesus as a nice Savior. But also see him as someone who's got some big guns. Remember, he was a carpenter, and they didn't have power tools. So when Jesus put them out. Uh, some commentators say he literally took his arms out and put them out. Get out of the house with these big old biceps and triceps. Come on. Well, I don't see Jesus that way. We know he's dying on the cross. You think he was passive? He was our warrior. He was fighting for us. He was fighting for your eternal salvation. He was fighting for you to be able to have all of your sins become whiter than the snow. That's a lot of warfare. He's beating the snot out of the devil while he's on the cross. Come on. And then when they put him in a tomb, a borrowed tomb, he rises again from the dead on the third day just like he said. And I wonder, I wonder, some of you have been waiting to fill in something on your notes. In order to move forward, there are some things that you need to put out and others you need to command to get out. <clears throat> I'm sorry, but there are some people you need to stop listening to. Well, my Facebook friend, really? Let's you know a secret. I have people say stuff to me all the time. Anywhere I go, Paul was saying, yeah, he's a chaplain, and he's an honorary commander, and I've been here 33 years. Yeah, I, everywhere I go in Santa Barbara County, in Santa Barbara County, even sometimes in San Luis County, I come across somebody that I know or who knows me. Oh, you're that pastor guy from Lompoc. And they want to tell me something about community, politics, faith, churches, or this church. Now, I want to give you permission. By the way, if you're married to somebody who's mean, cantankerous, ornery, I'm not telling you, kick them out of the house. I didn't give you permission, okay? Pastor said I could get a divorce. I didn't say that, Okay. What I'm saying is, you have the right to tell them, excuse me, when you talk anti-Bible and when you talk anti-faith, we can have a discussion about your faith beliefs. We can have a discussion about your political bent. But when you want to tell me things like, I'm stuck and I can never get where God wants me to go, or I'll never get whole, or I'll never allow that past memory to, 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 to be washed away, I'll never amount to anything, you should just stop and say, again, I'm not being crazy, just stop and say, excuse me, <clears throat> you need to be put out. Or better yet, just a nice way, really, I don't want to hear that now. Um, you're sitting in a building that people told us we could not build. A lot of you weren't here back then. You're sitting in a building with air conditioning going off right now, $75,000 of air conditioning. Hello. Huh? Nice cushy chairs. The first chairs were smaller than these. We got extra wide seats. I'm not telling you why. We just did. 
with a, with a really cool sound system and lights and all the stuff that we have that they told us we could not build. I just thought I'd tell you. I walked through that. And I had to hear people tell me all the time, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. People even from our own church. It'll never happen. What we have is good enough. I said, but God's calling us to do something else. Not build the Taj Mahal just to make room for people. That's all. That's all. That's great, great, great. Well, you can't do it. It'll never happen. Listen, eventually you have to say, excuse me, you're entitled to your opinion. This is America, but not in my ear. Did you get that? Some of you are listening to people that are not helping you grow deep and strong in the ways of the Lord. So you put them out. And some things you command to get out. Wouldn't it be great if you could just say to worry, get out. Anxiety, get out. Call it what it is. Just get out. I choose not to think that way any longer. I choose not to believe that way any longer. Oh, he's giving us a bunch of motivational speaking. I am not. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That's in the Bible. Jesus says, I will be with you always. So when you think like you're alone and somebody says, Jesus is not with you, you should say, excuse me, I don't want to hear it. Get out. And then quote to yourself, Jesus said, I'll be with you always to the end of the, of the age or the end of time. All right. Well, that's it. You got room for more? I got some more things to say. Okay. <laughs> Questions. If the miracle... What if the miracle is not only connected to the power of God, but also the people of God? What if miracles take place in a proper atmosphere and environment for the miraculous? Um, Jesus somehow lets us know by his actions that there are people in the house that he's going to have to overcome in order for the miracle to happen. They're in the way. So he put them out. You might go, well, where do you get that? Well, do you remember when people were offended at Jesus? They took offense against him in Matthew 13, 57 and 58. It says, and they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do because of their, huh, could their lack of faith have diminished the miraculous in their midst? Absolutely. It goes on to say he only did a few miracles there because they chose to be offended. When we hold grudges and we're offended, we actually push out the miraculous because the miraculous and offense cannot coexist. The miracle is not just in the miracle itself, but rather in the atmosphere and the environment of the miraculous where Jesus says, get out. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, I could never tell you know, my sister to get out, but but if you're contending for a miracle, just ask her to, to go get ice cream for a while and, and, and to come back later on. There's a great intersection between these two people, too, by the way. Uh, Jairus' daughter is how old? And how long has this woman had an issue of blood? 12 years. They're both 12. Isn't that something? In the same story, in the same chapter. So about the time that this little girl was birthed, was born... It was about the time that this woman found out she had a disease. One was celebrating the birth of a child. The other was mourning this disease that she was going to have for, for 12 years. Don't you hate it when people don't realize how connected we are? We are connected. Did you know that? Especially in Santa Barbara County. Everybody knows everybody. Right? Just go do something stupid. Watch. Everybody's going to find out about your stupidity. 
be, 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 before the news releases, it'll be on text. Everybody will be texting about you, you know? And sometimes people say this, I'm going to do my life, you do your life. I do me, you do you. Have you ever had anybody tell you that? Like it didn't matter? Listen, what you do matters. And when you do something, when you, when you uh, 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 make a decision to do something, it affects not only you, but your family and your friends. And by the way, it affects people around you that are people of faith. You know why? Because the Bible commands us to care for one another. And the Bible also says in Galatians that if you fall in a hole, that we're supposed to come and restore you. Oh, I'm going to do me. You do you. No, you can't do you because I have to help restore you. I got to speak the truth in love. It might hurt you what I'm going to say to you, but I'm going to tell you anyway because you matter to God. No, well, don't, don't say anything. I'm just going to have my freedom to do my life. They can't do your life. Your kids can't do their life without it affecting you. Are you with me? Amen. Your neighbor can't do their life. Your neighbor's doing their life. I mean, they got the stereo blasting at 1130 at night. Guess what? I'm going to do me. You do you. No, I can't sleep because of you. You're bugging me. So go do ding dong ditch at their house. But now you can't do it anymore because they got ring. Everybody can see you. I see you, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I walked into somebody's house. Uh, I went to go visit for a moment, and, and, and uh, they sent me a, a text. See you at my door. I'm at work. Get off my property. So, okay, got it. Got it. Technology has come, you know. So, anyway, I got a lot to say about that. You got it. You're so smart. You don't need to know. But, but, but watch this. Mark 5, 26 she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She had spent all that she had. She's got a disease, and she actually touches Jesus. By the way, it was against the law to touch anybody if you were deemed unclean, which she was. She has no right to go to the synagogue. She can't go to the church house at all. Jairus is on staff there. Jairus gets paid to be a part of the synagogue. She can't even be in the synagogue. She's lost all of her money. But being needy for God's power and touch is the great equalizer. When people come forward to get prayer at the end of the service, guess what? We're all the same. Somebody's got a degree. Somebody was an eighth grade dropout. Somebody has a PhD. Somebody else can't even add. And guess what happens? When we need Jesus, everybody's the same. Isn't that cool? All of us that need to be saved come to Christ we come to the foot of the cross, we're all the same. Red, yellow, black, and white. There's no prejudice when people are needy. And you come to Jesus, and, and everybody's there. Different color, different background, it doesn't really matter. Salvation is all the same to everybody, which reminds us that we're so connected. We're so connected to God and all that he wants to do in and through our lives. Jairus and the woman have both been hit with something that they cannot, they cannot what? Now, you don't need to respond, but anybody here been hit with something you can't handle? Had two people at the 8 o'clock service that had both lost uh, their spouses in the last two months. And so I'm talking about Jairus' daughter rising from the dead and very sensitive, and here's what I said. And I don't understand why some people get cancer and some don't. 97-year-old guy, been smoking all his life, eating pigskin rinds and drinking Fanta orange soda and Doritos, 97, low cholesterol, doing just fine. And somebody else, 27, working out every day, right? 
right? Drinking filtered water, six gallons a day to keep their system pure, cleansing once a month, and they're 27 and they get cancer. You got it figured out? No, no. When somebody comes and says, I got it figured out, here's what you tell them. Get out. Because this side of heaven, we can't figure it out. Why one woman can't have a child. Another woman, her husband looks at her and she gets pregnant. You have the answer? You, 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 you have the answer? I, I don't think you do. I don't think you do at all. You know? I don't. But here's what I know, and it's in your notes. Don't, you shouldn't even really write it down. It's so simple. Desperate people do desperate things. I'm just asking you a question. When was the last time you were desperate for God? When was the last time you were desperate for God? And is this time of desperation now? You don't need to respond. But, but I would bet you that there's somebody here or watching online that would say, you know what? There's some things inside of me. I'm just desperate for God's touch right now. I don't like the way I think. I don't like the way I believe. I don't like my, my lack of faith. I, 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 need, I need this to turn around in my, 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 my baby boy or my baby girl. I need my grandson to start thinking different, my granddaughter. I need, I need my husband to understand how wonderful I am. Or my wife to realize that when God put us together, he had a purpose and a plan. See, desperate people with tenacious faith get the attention of the Savior. Jairus, running through the crowd, Jesus, come to my house. And Jesus says, let's go. And they start walking that quick. And then the woman with the issue of blood, crawling through the crowd, desperate for God to do what only he could do. Now, how would, how would you have handled being Jairus? Let me tell you what Jairus has to do. Jairus has to watch a woman get a miracle while he's waiting for his own. You good with that? You watch your best friend get promoted, and you're saying to yourself, what were they thinking? And you got to cut and pay? Come on. You, 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 you watch somebody's kid get a full-ride scholarship, and your kid's applied to schools and can't get accepted, and you go, why? I had a pastor who's in one of my uh, leadership teams where I, I lead some different pastors, and I got a text from him. He said, can you call me? It was a Sunday afternoon. I said, sure, I, 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 I could be happy to call you. But I knew if it was Sunday afternoon, usually when he tells me good stuff, he says, man, we had a great Sunday, exclamation, you know, tooting horn icon, right? But this was, could you call me? So I called him, and, and, and uh, I'll just tell you, I'll just make up a name, Scott. I said, hey, Scott, what's, what's, what, what's up? He goes, how was your Sunday to me? Now, I didn't want to tell him that we had 129 more people than the Sunday before because I could hear in his voice, how was your Sunday? He wanted me to ask how his was. So I said, it was all right. I kind of said like that, it was all right. <laughs> oh, not that good? It was all right. Tell me about yours. He goes, oh, man, it was horrible. He goes, a new church just started down the street. This big mega church started a new branch down the street from us. They got, they got, like, it'd be like from here to City Hall, right? 149 feet. Started a new church. 
They, got, they don't have donuts. They have free full breakfast, full to order breakfast. They got jumpy houses for the kids, and they got, they got a dunk tank, and they got... I go, what do you have? We don't have nothing. We don't have free coffee, man. We got nothing. We got a cafe? No, we got, we got... Half the church went down the street. And he said, what really got me was this. These people that said, Pastor, you can always count on us. Until they got free breakfast down the street. Come on. Now, I could have said to him, well, too bad for you because we had a great Sunday. 129 additional people from the week before. Brand new military families coming in. It's that time of year. Man, things were good. The worship was good. The sermon was good. I was so good I took notes on myself. (laughs) Sometimes in life, You could be so preoccupied with your promise or so preoccupied with your pain that you miss the situation of others around you. Sometimes you could be so locked into your good that you can't see someone else's bad or vice versa. Let me give you a a, a verse that I think Jairus would get, Romans 12, 15. Are you ready for this one? By the way, oh, oh, this is rated M for mature audiences. Because if you're not mature in Christ, this, this verse will knock you upside the head. Rejoice with those who and mourn with. Does it tell you when? Does it say rejoice with those if you happen to be rejoicing? Mourn with those if you're mourning and grieving? No, no, no. It just says you be mature enough that if you're in a season of mourning and you see somebody with good news, stop your mourning and rejoice. Or if you're rejoicing because you just got the promotion or the raise or the new car and someone else didn't and they're grieving about it, that you could stop your rejoicing long enough and your party long enough to say, man, I care about you and show the compassion of Christ. Does that make sense? That is hard to do. I've seen it in our church where a woman can't have a child takes a brand new teddy bear to the mother who just had a brand new child and says, I celebrate with you. That's maturity. That's maturity. Does that mean that that mom that can't have the child doesn't walk away and have a little bit of grieving in her heart? No, no, no. God made her with the capacity to grieve. But she stopped long enough to rejoice in the other mom. And by the way, I know the other mom who was rejoicing In the birth of her child, she stopped long enough to say to the woman who can't have a child, would you hug me? I grieve with you. While they're both looking at the same promise. Are are you with me? That's maturity in Christ. Because it's not like, well, I'll be happy when I get mine, just like you got yours. No, it's not that way at all. It's that if I need to rejoice with you right now, I'll stop my mourning. Or if I need to mourn with you right now, I'll stop my rejoicing. Man, that's hard to do, isn't it? And here's Jairus. He's watching the miracle happen. There's something about Jairus. There's something about this woman with the issue of blood. We don't even know her name. That understood what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all, all what? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See, the people in the house of Jairus didn't have this understanding that all authority belonged to Jesus. They would have never laughed at him. They laughed at him when he said, she's just sleeping. Oh, they should have just said, you're right. 
you're God. We believe in you. But he said, excuse me, if you're going to laugh at the prospect of miracle, I'm putting you out, out of the house. I just like, I'm sorry. I've said that too many times, haven't I? I, I? I like it. It was last week's sermon where Nebuchadnezzar was told about the sovereignty of God, Daniel 4, 17. The Most High is sovereign over all the kings of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. See, there is nothing, write this down, nothing that I'm facing that is not under the power and the authority of God. Nothing. We need to be people that believe in the authority of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's my awareness of God's authority that fuels my faith to believe God can do anything and my trust that no matter what happens, he's still God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If he delivers us from the fiery furnace, he's God. If we burn and become crispy critters, he's still God. That's the kind of faith I want to have. That's the kind of faith I want you to have. That, Lord, I believe that you can do the miraculous, but even if you don't, you're still God. My praise is still going to be high because you're always God. You've already done enough for me to to cause me to worship you for all eternity, and I'm not going to stop doing that. So, Jairus, come to my house. The woman, all I need to do is touch you. But there was another guy in the Bible, too. He was the centurion, and in Matthew 8, 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you under my roof. Just what? Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. One said, all I got to do is touch you. The other said, I just need you to come to my house. The third one said, just speak the word. And Jesus said this, I, 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 I have never seen anyone in all Israel with that kind of faith, like the centurion. Just say it, Lord, and I'll be healed. Just come to my house, Lord, and I'll be healed. Just touch my, 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 my daughter, Lord, and I will be healed. And I love the fact that he says to the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you well. Cyrus. Cyrus waits. And his, again, hashtag no good, horrible friends come and say, no use. Hey, I just want to just, just be a messenger today. I, I don't want to get all hyped up or everything. But... Just maybe, maybe five of you need to hear this. Uh, until Jesus says it's over, it's not over. <laughs> and, and, and until the Lord comes and says you will stop believing, then you keep believing. You keep contending. You keep having faith in your heart. Don't lose faith. I'm going to tell you the number one reason we lose faith is because we listen to the, the naysayers. And sometimes they're not fueled by Jesus at all. They're fueled by doubt. They're fueled by fear. Sometimes they're, they're, they're pawns in the devil's scheme to speak words to you that don't need to be heard. Just, just, just say, I'm sorry. I know you don't like what I'm about to say, but my pastor told me to tell you. Get, 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 get out. Just stop, stop your blabbing. Well, you're never going to amount to anything. Man, if I hear another adult Tell a child they're never going to amount to anything. I don't know why. I'm going to lay hands on them suddenly. <laughs> huh? Another coach tell another kid, I don't want you on my team. By the way, I, I have a, a, a little, little word I've got to give you. It's sports season again for lots of kids. AYSO soccer starts next Saturday. Anybody got any kids playing? Yeah, I've already been warned by one coach. My son, 
<laughs> He's coaching my grand. Dad, <clears throat> remember when you're at the game? I'm the coach. Because <laughs> some parents or grandparents are bad. You yell at the referee. Do you know the referees a volunteer? How come you didn't volunteer? Come on. Or the coach. I mean, ASO's hurting for coaches. Some kids aren't playing because there's no coach, not enough coaches. Oh, they should do something about that. You're the answer. Huh? You're the answer. You're the solution to the problem. Hey, do you know some people who are always the problem to the solution? Do you know some? Just tell them this. Get out. Pastor B said, get out. Get out. Get out. Question. What do you do when you're waiting on a miracle and you watch someone else get theirs? What do you do? What do you do? Well, here's what I know about God. And it's another fill-in. God provides for each of us, but not always in the same way. Some people have miraculous healings. Other people don't. Some people get well. Other people don't. Some people get a new job. Other people got the old job. But God's still at work in you no matter what you see or no matter what is on the outskirts of anything. See, don't listen to people who do not possess a faith-filled awareness of the authority of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, get out of here. I don't think he threw them out, like literally, but he might have. We need people around us with the faith-filled authority that Jesus Christ is all that he said he is. You know what Foursquare is? Some of you don't know what it is. It's the four squares of Jesus, the fourfold ministry of Jesus. Our Savior, that's the cross. Our healer, that's the cup. The dove, the one who brings the Holy Spirit, and the crown. He's the king and the soon-coming king, savior, healer, baptizer, soon-coming king. That's the authority of Jesus, however you want to say it. Where we believe there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody as powerful as Jesus. And I wonder if Jesus wouldn't be saying to you, Mark 5.36 today, don't be afraid, just, just believe. So, P.S., before we shut this down. I think it's time for us to move forward. Now, how do we do that? With faith? How do we do that? Understanding that Jesus has authority? Understanding that the Word of God is true? Stopping the voices that speak to us that say, you're never going to get better. You'll never be clean. You'll never get sober. You'll never lose weight. You'll never get out of that financial hole you're in. Your marriage will always be like this. Wow. Son, you're never going to amount to anything. Wow. Daughter, you're stuck with your life. You made your bed, sleep in it. What if Jesus wants to come to her bed, shake her up, wake her up? Come on. What can God do? He can do anything that he chooses to do. And I think he does it through and with people that believe in his authority. People that say, God, I'm here to move forward. So here's my closing prayer. comes right out of the Bible. Philippians chapter 4. Are you ready? Now, this is the Apostle Paul, but let's make this your story. Not, not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already fully mature. See, God's still working on us. Anybody else? God's working on me. He's working on you. Come on. Good, good, good. But I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. In some versions he says, I want to figure out why Jesus Christ got a hold of me. 
And if you're saved, then that's your, your lifetime job. Figure out why he saved you. Not just because of his love and mercy. What did he save you for? A purpose. And then he says, brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. And here's your, here's your weekly assignment. Every day, do a little more of this. Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. I, I forget what's behind. Well, I'm trying to get to Jesus, and there's people ahead of me. You just keep pressing. I forget what's behind. The crowd is coming. I forget what's behind. The naysayers have come from my house to tell me how bad it is over there. I'm done listening to them. I'm going to start listening more and more to the authority of Jesus, and I'm going to have a God-filled faith that God's able to do great things, to take my life and turn it around. There's nothing that's gone too far that God cannot redeem. Let me say it again. There's nothing that's gone too far that God cannot redeem. One more time. There's nothing that's gone too far that God cannot redeem. Twelve years is a long time to suffer, but that dear woman pressed into the presence of Jesus. We don't even know her name, but we do know this. God honored her faith in him and her tenacity. I want to be like that, hungry for the Lord, wanting more of him in my life because he's real and he's there for us and he cares about us. Hey, God has more for you. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm way over there. The crowd's way over. It's okay. Just keep pressing to Jesus one step closer. And eventually, eventually, he's going to say to you, hey, I'm with you. I'm I'm the prize you're reaching for. So let's keep reaching forward, moving forward, and embracing all that he has for us. God, thank you that we could gather and talk about this amazing story. Who would have thought that this woman, we don't even know her name, and this man from the synagogue, Jairus, would be connected? They'd be in the same scene in the Bible. Twelve years, his girl had lived and was now dead. And twelve years, this woman had this issue of blood, and was now healed. And you rose that girl from the dead, and you gave this woman brand new life in you. You do the same for us. If anyone is here and doesn't know you as Lord and Savior and opens their life in faith to you and believes in you, that you will save them and change their eternity. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.